Hello and welcome to another episode of Bacon Spits, the music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. Hosted Bacon by Bits. Dumb and Dumbest. I'm sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're hosted by Ghost Cult Magazine. I'm here with Curtis Dewar. Hello. And our sort of co-host, Scotty Heath. Yo, what's up, Dumb and Dumber? Dumbest. Dumbest. What's, what's up, Curtis Bits? <laughs> For the uninitiated, nope. Scotty is um, the head of Tank Crimes. The so, amazing Tank Crimes, you gotta say. Tank crimes. Anyway. <coughs> it's Curtis. a pleasure to be here again. Pleasure yes. to be back. What are, what are we, what we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about sales, uh, record sales, music sales, that type of thing, because I know that a lot of questions we get are based upon uh, sales and we talk a lot about the marketing aspect but not not always the sales aspect and I think that's something that a lot of people could learn about and Scotty has been successful in this regard so I thought it would be good for us to discuss the moolah making as a as a musician or as a label or something like that if you guys are all okay with this yeah I'm into it you know what's okay. funny is hmm. that there's really, God, this is my, what some people just uh, turn off the podcast now and go get a different job. Uh -oh. um, well, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, monetarily, like the amount of money I actually make off Tank Crimes records, that figure would not qualify me to give advice in any other business. <laughs> It just wouldn't be there. Like no other industry would look at my sales and be like, we need to tap this guy for answers. Yeah. But, but in, in fairness, you, in fairness, are, you also yeah. do a lot of limited quantities too. Uh, I have in the past, but yeah. I try to make everything available for forever now. Like anything that'd be limited would be um, kind of like mail order goodies and stuff like that. Um, <coughs> I actually was explaining to someone on Twitter the other day the difference between a first pressing and um, like the limited variant that sells out and how mm -hmm. supply and demand with the label and the band and stuff like that. Cool. But uh, so, yeah, I sell records. So let me ask you this. So what, so if you were giving advice to a band on selling uh, their music, would you advise like, okay, let's talk about quantities first. Cause one of the mistakes a lot of bands will make, they'll go out and they'll buy like, you know, a few thousand vinyl or they'll do like a, a 5,000 run of CDs or something like that. Like yeah. just for and a you debut. Do this all the time. And you're just like, why? Yeah. That's insane. So first of all, that's insane. Like CDs. I, if I make like 5,000 CDs is insane to make like, yeah. um, and yeah, people and do it all the time. Well, but the, the thing about CDs is you're not even getting that big of a price break. Uh, mm -hmm. They're relatively cheap to make anyways. And the turnaround is like one or two weeks. Um, you can make more. I've made a thousand more CDs before the release date previously to make orders after we've started soliciting the record. Yeah. And that was way easier than having those extras not sell. You know, like you really don't have to you can shit out a thousand CDs in like two weeks. Well, back so up one I second, Scotty, just one second. Yeah. Say that again. So you, so you would sell, you would sell the album and then you would order the copies. 
Well, no, like, check it out. So if Good. I'm going to announce a record, it's probably two to three months before the street date. I mean, yeah. I have to have everything, like, with my distributor, I have to have everything submitted, I think, three months before the street date. Mm -hmm. um, so I would never do that unless – I would never submit a record unless it was in full production, like, test presses approved and all the art and layout and everything <laughs> all done and ready to go. Yeah. So, but once I start soliciting that to Wait, I just, stores – I just want to stop on this real fast. Yeah. Don't this is very this is a very important point you just you just <clears throat> you just made. Don't go and put your stuff into and and announce a release date when you don't have everything put together because it's always going to take longer than you think it is. 100%. Yeah, no, and and I mean once you get to the level of having a real distributor, if you don't have so not only do I have to submit like 3 months ahead of time, my records, the, the vinyl too, needs to be in the warehouse a month before the ship date, a month before the release date, or I'll get bumped. And if you get bumped, not only are you going to possibly pay a, a, I believe there's a, a small fine with the distributor, um, huh. but that could fuck up all your sales um, if yeah. you get it bumped. Like I, bands are always in a hurry, 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 hurry. I always tell them three months at least from when I'm holding the master and the final art. And I really even try to get them more comfortable with four months too, to get everything done properly. But so Curtis, once I get that, those orders going, yeah. um, so if I got a big release, I'll probably press 2000 CDs and okay. 2000 LPs to start. And yeah. if I bust out right away and we get three, 400 pre-orders on that vinyl and the CDs are moving, my distributor can let me know like, Hey, we're already getting <clears throat> low on those CDs. And so what I was saying is I've actually repressed before the street date. Oh, I see. Okay. Wow. And I've actually, I try to, ever since I did that the first time, now I try to plan a release. So I have exactly enough, that I can make it through like the first month sales and or have to repress right away as soon as it lands. Um, so I'm not sitting on too many extra CDs because fuck man, if you bought 5,000 CDs and the band broke up or something before the release date, I mean, you just time. have to go to the landfill with that shit. You can't give that many CDs away. Like I've done some, some records just don't work. Uh, they never sell. If you got a thousand CDs and you sell like 300 of them, I've had CDs that <clears throat> I'll take a popular pre-order that's got like three, 400 pre-orders. And I'll just tell my merch store, look, every domestic order where shipping's not going to be an issue, just grab one of those CDs that's not selling and put it in there. Like I've given away wow. 400 CDs at one time and mm -hmm. I still am trying to get rid of them. And that was from a thousand CD press. So, so how do you how do you figure out how many to press then? Like if you like for a band, like like it would be different for you as a label, obviously, because you got already got established acts a lot of the time. Like I would just so always go low and watch what you're what you're doing. It's not going to cost you. I mean, the 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 real cost issue in pressing is going to be in vinyl, yeah, and it's going to be in low numbers, and that's that cost is really not going to have much to do with the actual LPs you're pressing. It's the cost of the print work. Um, if you're only making 250 LP jackets and inserts, that cost is going to be astronomical. I mean, yeah. I won't, I, I kind of have a threshold where I won't, I, I don't, I don't think a band is, is ready to work with me if I don't think we can press 1,000 of the LP. 
Now okay, that that, no, that price you, the price mark at one thousand is so different. Like if you tried to press like six hundred LPs, you could probably press a thousand jackets and throw four hundred of them away to save a little bit of money. But I mean, I wouldn't oh. recommend doing that. But that's how much the price cuts go down as you hit that number one thousand. Absolutely. So in other words, a new band should not even look at pressing vinyl until they've proven that they can sell at least. Yeah, no, thousand. hell no. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely here just just to start this out and we can we can go off this. Sure. My initial advice for any band that's starting out for physical product is so vinyl's the most popular to buy. Yeah. Stream streaming's the most popular to listen. Yeah. Um so and I don't think everybody needs vinyl, certainly not right away. Yeah. Do a small run cassette and a small run CD and get a Bandcamp page and print download cards off your Bandcamp page to put in your small run tape. And also not a lot of people are doing this, but I think this is going to become a thing. Put a download <laughs> card in your CD because not everybody has a CD drive even anymore. Yeah, and so correct. there's a lot of people collecting CDs because they still like to collect physical product, but the <laughs> download card with the CD, which isn't really used, is still going to be helpful to that customer. Okay. And both of those things, I mean, you can, I mean, I get fucking bukkakeed with Instagram ads for this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, low run CDs, low run CDs, low run CDs, low run CDs all the time. Yeah. Um, make a hundred CDs, make a fucking nice digipack, a hundred CDs, make a hundred cassettes and go there. And cause you're always going to want to have a uh, physical music at the merch table. And, um, then you can start gauging, um, if you need vinyl. Totally. Okay. So now before we go any further on sales, one, one quick thing I want to go over, like one, one other mistake bands seem to make is they'll buy the product and then they fuck up the pricing so that way they're losing money. How do you work out the pricing so that way you're actually making money instead of losing money on shipping and other things? I am kind of fucking sick of everybody, not you personally, Curtis, but oh. I'm fucking <laughs> sick of everybody asking about how to make money. Understood. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, because here's my advice, price it low. I mean, okay. here's what I've been talking about on Twitter this week is that CDs, I think, are still extremely popular, but yeah. the, price the price point is wrong. So um, what would be the price point for a CD? Well, it's think? really, it's, it's pretty, I mean, if I self-released a CD and I was a band self-releasing my stuff and we had like our demo slash debut EP or something yeah. on a low run CD and cassette, mm -hmm. I'd fucking sell that shit at shows for five bucks. Sure. Okay. Because I'd want to sell as many as possible. I would do the tape and the CD, both with a download card, five bucks at our shows. Okay. Um, so now what Because if you, you want to get it into the most people's hands. And you're still totally. making like two or three bucks off each one if that's what you're yeah. really, if you're crunching numbers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'll bet you that if you had $5 CDs versus $10 CDs of your own self-released like EP, because I don't think bands should necessarily be putting out full-length albums. Uh, yeah. I think you should self-release EPs, especially if you're looking for a label so you can yeah. save some songs and also gauge. And um, people don't need to be overloaded with fucking 15 songs. It's the same thing as like choosing your set list. You don't have to play every song you ever wrote and you don't totally. have to record and release every song you ever wrote, especially starting out. So 
five dollars for CD. So would you? So what would you charge for a download? Would you suggest most bands charge a download just to name your price flat? Or I would do name your price. And okay. uh, you know what's really funny? I did some polls online about because I do about three quarters of my catalog is name your price yeah. on uh, on Bandcamp. Yeah. And uh, I did a poll was like asking like what most people give on the name your price, whether they give five, more than five, one dollar or zero. Yeah. And I found that even in an anonymous poll, people who are more proud of their decisions are more likely to vote because the numbers were so skewed. And then yeah. I broke I broke out the real numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, most people take that shit for free. I think we broke down my whole existence on Bandcamp. And it was like 5,000 people for downloads. And that's any amount, most of them under $5. Wow. But, but listen to this fucking number. Hold on to your socks. 50,000 people had made downloads. There was 50,000 downloads. 5,000 were paid for. Wow. Oh, shit. So that's insane. 10% kicked down money for that. And now, so... It's weird when, because people never know my angle a lot of times when I'm, when I'm talking about stuff on Twitter. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that someone's a fucking hero for like buying music in 2019. I think it's nice, but I also think that's just, just kind of an individual choice of how you consume music right now. Yeah. Um, so I think when I, when I spilt the numbers, I think a lot of people would be, think my reaction might be like, Oh man, yeah. What? See how the music industry's total bullshit, and see how no one appreciates art, and see what this bullshit. Yeah. No man, you want to know where my head is at? Hmm. Holy shit, we reached fifty thousand motherfuckers with downloads on Bandcamp. Totally. Yeah, that's pretty nice, dude. And I have these people's contact information, which I wouldn't have if they were streaming it on Spotify. One hundred percent. So I can stay in touch with these people. So I would, I would put downloads. Um, at at pay your own price and if you if you want to price them because i understand if people think that there's like um they're devaluing themselves because i don't yeah. want to say like don't look at money at all or try to lose money i'm just saying yeah, yeah. focus away from making money that comes mm -hmm. way farther down the line totally um but I think the best set price point, and also I think the best donation is if you're if you're somebody who likes to pay the artist, mm -hmm. is about six dollars and fifty cents. Because after the PayPal cost and the Bandcamp fee, that's going to put a fiver to the band. Interesting. So really, as like fun, whether you think it's cult or corny, six 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 is really a great price for Bandcamp. Huh. Okay. So now let me ask you this: it's about just back to. Because uh, you said most people listen on Spotify, which is true. So one complaint I've heard about uh, those services is that the artist uh, gets more of an income when they when people use Bandcamp. But judging by what you're saying, that's not necessarily the case. Am I am I understanding that correctly? Well, um, because <clears throat> Bandcamp is really like a download service that meets some sort of a like even an old school MySpace style social media page for yeah. your band and your music. Yeah. I think it's pretty hard to compare it to Spotify when you're looking at revenue because okay. um, Bandcamp, you're making revenue when people choose a dollar amount or the dollar amount that you've chosen for them and they hand it over. Yeah. Um, Spotify, people are paying a company 
a, you know, a subscription fee. And then that company trickles down the money to you, depending on how much of, you know, like the bandwidth of the company you use up, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard to compare that because, um, you might see uh, it. That's why else it's, it's, um, might not always be the best idea to look at money because you might see more revenue coming for your band camp. If you're charging like five bucks for your EP or something like that, yeah. um, then you see from Spotify. But if you look at the numbers, you might see a lot more growth on Spotify. Totally. So, um, you really need to just look at every angle. Um, you know, when, when people were asking me this week when I was talking about this, like what, what I think a band should have um, as far as physical stuff or should they have a download, uh, I'd say look at what the labels do. You need mm -hmm. fucking everything. You yeah. want a download card with your stuff. You want a cassette. You want a CD. You want vinyl when, when it's appropriate. You want your stuff on all the streaming services. Um, you just want to hit them from every angle because uh, everybody's, everybody's consuming in different ways. And what you'll find now is that s some people consume in every way, like I do, but other people are really, really nailed down on the one that they do. You know, like, I'm a band camper. I'm a cassette listener. I only totally. listen to vinyl. Fuck streaming. I only stream. I mean, all these people go every way. It's like, there's really... And there's really no excuse right now to limit yourself on any of that stuff, except, yeah. like I said, vinyl, which I think it's actually irresponsible to press until you know um, you can sell them. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, okay. And you kind of owe it to your fans to uh, wait until you can maybe sell 500 as opposed to 300 to bring the cost down, you know, totally. Um, totally. for your fans. Like I, that the new, the band camp, pre-order <coughs> Kickstarter crowdfunder thing. Mm -hmm. uh, those LPs are, they're charging like 28 bucks for those yeah. LPs. So, yeah. I mean, if you do the math in your head, obviously Bandcamp needs a cut. Um, there's certain things along the way, but I mean, that's really expensive. Totally. You, you know, that's really expensive. Um, and, and that's, that's pushing the cost to the consumer and it's giving them an opportunity to obviously choose whether they, want that or not um totally. but it's something to think about you know totally so now we're now moving just out of that for a minute so how should a band attempt to get sales because a lot of times bands will invest in pr or they'll invest in an ad and that's like all they do and they expect the sales to come rolling in and then they don't and then they're kind of confused about what to do other than just play shows do you have any advice on how to like actually well, sell let's start. What I think we're gonna have to uh, to break this down into a couple things. One thing sure. about advertising that here's the thing: open up, <clears throat> open up any cop, copy of like Decibel, and there's mm -hmm. bound to be one band that you've never heard of that took out a full page ad. Yep. And you come back the next month, and they're gone. They blew their whole fucking load on a full page ad. And then I'll bet those guys will be like, man, print ads are bullshit, dude. We yep. fucking threw down X amount of four figures on this ad and we didn't see anything. I'm not sure one person came to our fucking Spotify for artists homepage, even though we put the QR code on it, you know, yep. um, advertising is a long game. Totally. I always tell people, if you want to get into print advertising, you should be committing to like six months at least yep. for that ad. 
So go smaller and go for a longer run. Every time I see a full page ad, I'm like, dang, these guys could have done one of those nice quarter page ads probably for yeah. four or five issues with the totally. same amount. Because it's really once somebody sees it like the third, fourth, fifth, tenth, twentieth time that they recognize it. And I talked about this before on the podcast. I mean, it's kind of how I made 10 Crimes see like it was a bigger deal than it was yeah. um, earlier in the label. And that was by having kind of an obnoxious ad budget, but not trying to just like put up a billboard for a week and see what that does by yeah. putting up. 10,000 stickers, you know, stuff like that. It's really more of a long game for ads. So if cool. you want sales and you're looking for that, so transfer that over to digital. Okay. If you blow, if you take out a Facebook ad and you throw down a hundred bucks on it and put it for five days or something like that, that's a good start. But totally. if you end that five days and go, man, that ad didn't even fucking pay for itself. You're also being short sighted with that. It's really a long game. Um, yeah, this is so um, I would maybe say instead of, you know, I mean, of course, I mean, I've had real success with Instagram ads, just doing like $50 on a 24 hour ad, just totally blowing it up as fast and hard as possible. Yeah. But, uh, but really the, but really for a band or especially if like you're trying to reach new people, I would go for a long game ad, spend a couple bucks a day and have that shit go for a month, you know? And then you can really dig into some of the analytics if that's your style too, you'll have more to work with. Now, I wanna point out um, that what Scotty's talking about here is in like more conventional marketing called the advertising rule of sevens. Yeah. Uh, and Wait, what's it called? Uh, you, you cut out for a second, I'm oh, curious. I'm the advertising sure. rule of sevens. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. And it's basically that. It's the idea that like, people aren't gonna react until they see something seven times. This is how you do it. Yeah. You beat it into their fucking skulls. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. So, Scotty, you were going to also talk about PR, <coughs> PR aspect too. Okay. Well, let's see. This will be good because you guys do PR. I do PR. Matt, Matt do just PR. kind of coast, coast Matt, of my coattail. <laughs> Matt Dibble Dabbles. He's riding your yeah. coattails there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a generational I'm, visionary. I'm, I'm kidding, Matt. <laughs> Anyway. But uh, here's the other thing um, is that uh, once a band's ready to use a PR company, yeah. which I, I, I think that I think now if you if you're having a hard time, uh, if you're having a hard time engaging people on social media, even as a new band, especially because there's a lot of people doing quality work here at what I what I think to be extremely affordable i don't know what your rates are curtis but i'll bet you that i would i bet it's affordable i bet you think yep. it's affordable and i bet I you that your bands appreciate that value because they it's do. really not it's really not that big of an investment yeah and um so if you can't reach people guess who can someone from pr it's why they're there they know the people cool. at the blogs they have a big email list they communicate with people that are in the industry and that write reviews and that give press and uh, a lot of bands are really lost. And I think a lot of bands are intimidated by PR for what we just said. I yeah. think that, I think a band that'll spend $1,400 on a fucking one print ad also would never consider spending $350 on a PR campaign. Like it, it yep. yeah. And that but, blows but, my mind. This blows yeah. my mind that it's like, yeah, actually. but maybe they didn't even <laughs> research that it's only 350 bucks for a PR campaign or something, you know, like it could maybe, be, 
maybe they think that's that that's way bigger. They just don't understand what they're getting out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this would be even advice for somebody I'd give that's getting into PR is to make sure that you're communicating with potential clients what you're actually doing, very specifically what you can and cannot do for them and what the variables are, you know? Because um, not ever, just getting a PR doesn't – doesn't mean you're going to get the press that you want. Um, I, I have, um, I have a great PR team and I've had record and you know, I'm real happy that we usually get pretty big press when I have something going on as far as premieres and stuff like that. But yeah. I've had records where I've, I've fucking had to throw my hands up in the air and have been like, guys, no one really wants to fuck with this. Yeah. It's not easy. But but having that PR person like going through going through the motions and hitting people up and seeing who wants to get it and stuff like that that's gonna do so it's kind of like another thing like hitting them from all angles. Totally. Um, more seriously, for I'm just saying this from a journalist perspective. Yeah, yeah, um, and also um, it might give you a little more pro uh, feel if you're shopping labels. Yeah, um, I'm not sure personally if I'm. Uh, if I moved a little bit more, if somebody has PR, you know, oh, um, no, but here's what moves you. Here's what moves you is it's not, if somebody has PR, what moves you is, are these guys invested? And a great way for those guys to show you that they're invested is to get PR, right? That's the focus here is that, well, you know, when you show, Oh, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm interested in, when you when you show, oh hey, I'm a band who's investing in myself, that tells the label guy you're a lot more likely to not fuck around for six months while you try oh, yeah. to record out. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, if if uh, if a band hit, if um, I would I would take a band. I would think a band was more serious about what their craft if they had Curtis reach out to me as their PR guy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's not saying. I, I'm not saying you need that, but Matt, you've got a good point. It's just like, okay, these guys are a little more invested um, in yeah. themselves and want to get ahead, you know? That's the thing is like, I really like, I, I have access to a lot of money. I really only want to give access to that bunch of money to people who I know are going to not be dicks about it. Fair you point. I mean? Like, I, I like, that's really what it comes down to. It's just like, but it's the same with any business. It's like, okay, if I was running a hedge fund, you know, and I, did, I was in my due diligence phase. Fucking guess what? I'd be an asshole there too. Why? Because I don't want to lose money for the boss because I like not being poor. <laughs> Simple Fair as point. that, right? Like, do I sound completely insane here? No, but you don't sound insane. But when you brought up like corporate and regular business and stuff, it reminded me to something I've said on here before that I think some bands even in this genre feel like like the labels and management and stuff like that are kind of like the suits and that it's like kind of corporatized at the biggest sure. levels sure. and it's not and i think that might intimidate some bands out of contacting pr because they feel like they're like jumping into some sort of suit world or something like out of their comfort level and that's another thing um that bands should be reminded of and even actual pr agents could remind potential clients these are just fans. This is like anything else. This is somebody who, who thinks this might be interesting to them. They found a little way that they can contribute, excuse me, contribute in the scene. 
Yeah. And we all work in our pajamas. That, exactly. <laughs> You're just hiring another music fan. Yep. Totally. You know, like, there's yeah. not some corporate offices or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, Curtis, you're like cleaning up, up after your kids and shit as you're exactly over there. Yep. Um, one hundred percent. You're working out of your house. Yep. That is. So I. Oh, I, 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 even I, I think, work in a high-rise office in in. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think just some of these barriers need to be broken down um, for bands to get it to to do that. You know. Um, yeah. Even just like for PR, like I hate writing like band descript like descriptions and yep. bios and stuff like that. And man, nothing it's is unique when you find a band that's super comfortable writing about themselves with yep. all the hot buzzy adjectives and words you need to use to yep. like get people's attention and to spice it up, or even getting a band to attempt to write their own bio like yeah. either turns into a fucking novel or nothing yeah. like there's something in between like um little stuff like that can be important to get people's attention and a lot i i mean i have a hard time um doing that myself and i mean i have a hard time even writing the fucking paragraph to describe the record yeah. um and so I, that's another place where that's what this person does i mean a lot of pr people have a have a uh, background in writing as well too so having yep. them do they're not only forging your press releases but the bio and stuff like that the album description um that's money well invested because okay. a lot of those things you write a paragraph one time and that sticks to your album for the rest of its existence certainly online too yeah and like honestly so i write a lot of we're writing a lot of time just so everyone's aware but okay. i write this a lot of a fast bio. one i write a yeah, lot of okay. bios right um, yeah. And like, I will update and a lot of bio people will update the bio for free, you know, assuming that there wasn't like a dramatic change, like assuming it's not like you lost half the lineup and won a Grammy. Yeah. Like, you don't really need to update your bio. like, you know, people, if it's not a ton of work, it's going to take me like 15 minutes to update your bio. You know what I mean? Like, if that, yeah, <laughs> don't Some, uh, sometimes you just need to make a little bit more info about the current album and boom, you're done. Yeah, exactly. So don't overthink it. You know, bios are important, but they're not something that you need to be sort of freaking out about, which I see a lot of people doing. Like you said, Scotty, a lot of times you get a novel. and it's like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, because I think they overthink it. And I think the band doesn't even want to give you that novel. But yeah. you tell them to have it to you by the next day and they stay up all night just writing and writing and writing. And it's like way too much. And like, there's a lot of shit that no one cares about that you might yeah. write up on the bio. And that's also where PR can step in and be like, look, we don't need to mention every band you've ever like shared a stage <laughs> with or whatever. That's not moving the needle yeah. for us at all. Yeah. Um, little things like that, where that's just also where, I mean, if you're working with the right person, you should be looking at that PR as an advisor as well. You know, Absolutely. there's a reason why you're paying them. So you want to use that to as 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 much as you can. Exactly. Anyway, as we head towards the end, Scotty, what do you have to plug? Yo. Plug. I'm not plugging anything. Oh, here's what I'm plugging, man. It's not me. I'm plugging that we're talking about money and bands. And I started off by saying I feel like too many people are asking, like, when am I gonna get paid or whatever? Or that like you can't get enough money or money's not paying for the music. So here's what I want to plug. I want to plug having a side hustle 
for your side hustle. So I'm assuming that most people in bands have a job and then the band is their second job. Mm -hmm. Now I'm proposing people get a side hustle for the second job. Um, we talked before I started this label by making one inch buttons and then I moved to doing screen printing. Both of those things doing one inch buttons and screen printing not only made me make, be able to make merch for myself, I was able to do it. I've copped to it a bunch of bootlegs to make money, which is whatever. You, everyone can form their opinion about that, but I have no shame about it. And, but also I was able to make buttons and t-shirts for other bands in the scene. And so yeah. I was earning money for my shit, but I was also networking at the same time. And I became an asset to the local scene because I was Scotty Buttons. I was the t-shirt guy. I was that, I was that, I was that. Now, those are two examples right there. But now um, I'm trying to, I'm always telling people to, to do stuff for free and to do it DIY and stuff like that. So I'm taking a different level. Personally, right now, I'm going to save up some money and get a nice camera because I want to teach myself more digital photography and filmmaking that awesome. I can use for the label. And this is another skill that once I pick it up, I mean, I'm not going to sell this skill, but I can use it for all the bands instead of outsourcing that once I get comfortable. And yeah. this would be another skill that if I was in a band, this could be a side hustle, side hustle. Can I make totally. one minute Instagram clips out of, out of live footage for a band? Can I uh, get some good pictures ready that they use? Stuff like that. Um, so that's just another example of a side hustle, side hustle. Yeah, I had this conversation. I had this 500 bucks for a nice camera and then yeah. get a fucking digital photography for dummies book and fucking hit the pavement, you know? I had this exact conversation with Dave Brenner of Earsplit last night, you know, who is one of the most well-known, well-reputed PR people in the history of metal. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was talking about trying to learn side hustles for his, for his side hustle, you know, like, yeah, figure it out, so, figure out ways to yeah. engage. It'll be powerful. This so, has, yeah. been, okay, go. Uh, I, I think I was just going to repeat myself, but yeah, find a way, find a way that you can, you can uh, help yourself. You can help network and you can make a little bit of cash. It'll exactly. help you get ahead and it's rewarding because you'll make friends doing it. And influence people. This there we go. has been Dumb and Dumbest with Scotty Heath. You Are have been yet? listening. Are we done yet? Everything is terrible.